It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and this is uh, the third part of my series this week on uh, one-on-one conversations with the candidates for Flint City Council, that election just a month away now. And uh, today we're going to focus on wards 7, 8, and 9 as we wrap up the series. But we start this hour with Ward 7 and candidate Allie Herkenroder joining me by phone. Hi, Allie. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, Allie, I, you know, I think I asked you this before back during the primary, but I can't help wondering that the city council gets such a bad rap. Um, why would you want to get tangled up with uh, those <laughs> meetings that run into the wee hours of the morning and seem to be so divisive and, and in, you know, obstructive and, and so on? What, uh, did you bump your head or something? you know you are not the first person who's asked me that and i don't think that you're going to certainly be the last person to ask me that um but i mean that's that's the reason why i decided to enter this race when we have a council that is so dysfunctional and cares more about their personal ego and petty personal politics 
at the end of the day, it's the, it's the citizens of Flint who are the ones who suffer from that. So um, one of the reasons that I threw my you know, hat in the race was because we need somebody who's going to be able to help work for the people who got her elected um, and make sure that we're able to move policy forward because right now the city is at such a really positive turning point if we have an effective council. Do you think Flint has the, the resources it, it needs to get back on a, a path toward, uh, I don't know if you'd call it making a comeback, but, but let's, let's call it that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know right now we still haven't even expend or spent down all of the CARES Act money that the city got. We haven't even touched a portion of the um, American Rescue Plan dollars that the city got. There's going to be a whole nother wave coming through. We know that there's going to be the infrastructure bill coming. So right now we have such a tremendous opportunity to help poor investments and long-term investments into our city. But we currently do not have the leadership to be able to push that forward because like I said I mean so many people are more concerned about being the the last you know having the last word or um you know I'm the one who did this instead of like I said working um and understanding the long-term impact that this money has I don't think it's necessarily going to be what Flint was in the 60s per se but this is a really phenomenal opportunity to build off of our existing infrastructure and push Flint into, you know, a, a leadership role within the state um, for a turnaround city. Allie, how should that money uh, be invested to have the greatest long-term impact? In, in other words, that money's a one-time shot in the arm. How do yeah. we avoid spending the money and then two years, five years down the road, we're back in the same place. Yeah. I think, I, I'm assuming you're talking specifically about the American Rescue Plan dollars. Well, yeah, we know there's $47 million there. There might be, you know, a, a, a second award of something similar. Yeah. So we're talking about potentially 90 to $100 million. Mm -hmm. how, how should that money be invested to have the greatest long-term impact? Yeah, I think one of the things that we really, really need to do as a community is invest in the technology side of our of our city. I mean, we have so many fiber lines um, that run underground that are um, not being utilized by companies, by residents, what have you, um, that will be able to give us access to internet, which we can tap, you know, traffic cameras into. We can track... Um, we can uh, tap so many different like crime prevention things into that as well. Like the new um, shot so spotter uh, technology. Not necessarily shot spotter because they use triangulation to help track. Okay. Um, and okay. it's not it's it, it's it, it's track record isn't as great as we would like it to be. Um, but utilizing GIS technology to be able to understand, okay, well, you know, this is a suspect car for whatever reason. It's heading northbound on Dort Highway at such and such a time, so we can anticipate that at such and such a time it'll be at, I don't know, Pearson Road kind of a thing, so that we can help stop things before they start um, or stop them sooner 
than, you know, just having no clue where people are going. Um, same thing with building the relationships between city school board and county officials to be able to use all of this money that the county is getting to its max potential because we really want to make sure that we're not duplicating any efforts. So one of the things that is really important to me is affordable housing and broadband infrastructure. And it doesn't make sense for the school board to pour all of this money into broadband infrastructure and then the city to pour in all of this money for broadband infrastructure when we know it's going to impact the same population. So having those conversations with people to say, hey, why don't we work smarter, not harder? You focus on this part of the area of the city. We'll focus on this part of the city and we'll still serve the same number of people and we'll do it for a whole heck of a lot less. This is, uh, well, let me, let me ask you this. When you're talking to potential voters as you're campaigning uh, for this uh, seat on the city council in the 7th Ward, after they ask you if you're crazy for wanting to run, <laughs> what, what are the things that they're telling you are important yeah. to them? Yeah, it's definitely dependent on the area, um, for sure. I want to make sure that I knock on as many doors in the 7th Ward as I possibly can because... Um, you know, we know that a lot of neighborhoods are segmented and it's kind of been this neighborhood versus this neighborhood. And it shouldn't be that way because at the end of the day, we are um, residents of the same city, of the same ward. Um, but the, the top three things that I hear from most people are crime, blight, and sidewalks. A lot of people are really concerned about the sidewalk repair. And a lot of people, I know there is that 50-50 sidewalk repair program. But even that is still too much of a financial burden for so many people. Um, we don't have probably a single stretch of uh, American with Disabilities Act compliant sidewalk in the city. Um, and that, that's a major problem, especially because we have an aging population. We want to make sure that everybody is safe. Um, they walk on sidewalks instead of in the or I mean, we know people walk in the road instead of on the sidewalk simply because our sidewalks aren't uh, traversable. So... Uh, making sure that our city is accessible for, for all modes of transportation, too. This is kind of an unusual election cycle in that there are uh, three open seats, which is a third of the council, and then mm -hmm. it's unusual to find a write-in candidate at all, let alone over the nine wards, five write-in candidates. Um, why is there this kind of, of activity surrounding this election? I can't necessarily speak for, you know, writing candidates um, or anything like that, but I can speak for myself and that because this term is a special term, um, city council um, is going through a special election where this term will be five years as opposed to the standard four because of the new Flint city charter. So because we are on such a, a major long-term impact with this five-year term, with, the, um, with all of the CARES Act money, with all of the American Rescue Plan money, with this potential for the infrastructure bill, um, that's why I decided to throw my head in the run for this year in particular. I think it's great that so many people are stepping up and running for election because it's certainly not something that's easy to do. Um, and making sure that we elect people 
to help serve the city um, because we've all we've all heard we've all heard uh, you know the screaming matches that come out of city council and knowing that our city deserves better. Uh, I think it's great that so many people have have made the difficult uh, have made the difficult decision to run. Um, Allie, what do you bring to the table if elected? Absolutely. So I have a pretty strong background in education policy, in housing policy. Um, I can, you know, already understand the parliamentary procedure um, very well. I was on something called Model Arab League, um, which is very similar to the Model UN. Um, It's just a different uh, body of government. So I've learned parliamentary procedure um, all throughout college. Um, So I'm ready to hit the ground running with day one. Uh, not to mention my background is in policy, so being able to understand the long-term implications of what the law says, what these regulations are, how we can and cannot spend money, um, how we can, you know, the thing, the legality of certain things. Like, we can't just put any ordinance out willy-nilly. We have to make sure that it is legal within the charter, within the city, within the state. Um, so being able to have that complex understanding of what we can and cannot do within the letter of the law I think sets me apart from um, certainly our current city council person and a lot of other city council members. My guest is Allie Herkenroder, 7th Ward City Council candidate. Allie, I appreciate you spending this time with me this morning, and we just have a couple minutes left, and I want to make sure that you can share with listeners where they can find out more about you and your campaign. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for having me. Um, more people who are interested in either volunteering or learning more can visit AllieForFlint.com. That's A-L-L-I-E for Flint, um, spelled out, not the number. <laughs> um, so AllieForFlint.com. Um, my Facebook page is updated very regularly as well. That is um, Allie for Flint City Council. Um, you'll see my headshot. It's the same one that I've got everywhere. Um, or even sending me an email at Allie at AllieForFlint.com. I love having conversations with people. I love being able to hear more concerns throughout the ward because at the end of the day, um, this seat represents the entirety of the ward, not an individual. So making sure that the entire community is heard um, and representative is, is really crucial to me. Well, Allie, thanks again for uh, spending this time with me this morning. I always applaud people uh, who roll up their sleeves and want to try to get involved to make things better. So keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks. Again, that was uh, Allie Herkenroder, one of the candidates for a seat on the Flint City Council. Uh, from Ward 7, that election coming up just just a month from now on November 2nd, I believe. And um, we're going to hear from the incumbent candidate up next, and then a little later in the hour, the write-in candidate um, for the 7th Ward as well. And we're going to continue on today's show to wrap up our series of one-on-one conversations with the candidates for City Council with Ward 8 and Ward 9. So we will have gotten all nine wards uh, into the series uh, over this last week, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and of course today. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more right after this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions and you know the material and you, and you care about it and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, my my next guest is the incumbent candidate uh, for the uh, seventh ward seat. She is running for re-election, and uh, her name is Monica Galloway. She joins me by phone. Hi, Monica. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for inviting me again. And congratulations for being named Michigan Municipal League president. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's uh, that's quite an honor. It is. The organization's been around since what eighteen ninety nine and eighteen ninety nine. And this is only the the fifth time someone from Flint has held that position. Yeah, and actually, um, in two thousand nineteen, Brenda Moore, who is now the mayor of Saginaw was actually the first black female to hold oh, that wow. position. So um, I am um, uh, given the honor of, of following in her footsteps. That was just in 2019. Well, you know, in some ways she's following in your footsteps because you were the first black female to uh, get the position you hold now on the Flint City Council. What an honor it is. You know, Monica, um, I... I I ask. I feel like I ask you this uh, a lot, but with all of the the negativity and and what people see looking in from outside at the Flint City Council, and it seems like you know the meetings drag on forever. It often seems like agenda items don't get done. Uh, why would you want to run for re-election? So the the reality is two things. Um, agenda items do get done and they do take a long time the reality is is i serve this community at the will of this community and when i took that responsibility over i took it over as you do in a marriage for better or for worse and the reality is this is not just about what happens in those chambers there are things out here that are happening to our communities I am in that seat to fight for the good generations that are happening behind me. And unfortunately, when you have inequity or injustice or inequality, a lot of times people hear what they want to hear. They don't hear the actual undertones or some of the things that are really being said. And so um, I fight because I'm not fighting for myself. I'm fighting for a whole community, and it's not personal for me because if it were it, it's like you said Tom it would be easy to stop doing this there's no <laughs> glory in this people people even people that that you serve that there's criticism constantly and when you're my age your age I mean this is this there's the, the glory in it is knowing that I get up every day and I do the best that I can because when I get done on that seventh war city council seat I should be able to look at the generation behind me and know that I fought for voices to be heard, all voices to be heard. Does Flint have the resources it needs to um, really serve the the needs and and wants of the of the residents of the city of Flint, or doesn't it seem sometimes like the council and the administration is rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic? 
So, you you know, the reality is you're you're absolutely right, Tom. And I didn't we, mean we to put don't. it that harsh, Monica. No, but, but, but you know what the, the reality is? And I think that people have to remember, when I came on the city council, we were under an emergency manager, right? Right. Um, but, but even before that, you talk about since about 2001, the residents of the city of Flint have lost $100 million in revenue sharing expenses, right? So the state of Michigan, our system is broken in the state of Michigan. In, in, in Detroit, you're talking about almost a billion. And so people don't recognize that there are a lot of financial breakdowns in which cities are allocated resources. And so with the answer to your question, of course we don't have the resources. And so when you're having um, the disputes that we're having and not really looking at the fact that we have almost, I think it's, I think it was something like a $474 million that we owe to OPEB, retirees, right? That is very little. There's very little funding that we've done. And so when you look at all those things and the fact that the city is shrinking, that we don't have enough employees that are feeding into the, the responsibilities that we have to our retirees, we've got a whole lot of things that need to be focused on. And unfortunately, that doesn't always get done in the chambers. But that is the reason why I seek out the Michigan Municipal League, because I'm learning from constituents, I mean, from team um, leadership in all other states, not just Michigan, but in other states. What are they doing? How are they getting it done? And so you're just refreshed to see what people are doing. And so now, for me, I've been learning legislation, and now it's time for me to go out into the community and apply what I've learned, apply the partnerships that I've been able to establish to find out how to properly allocate the $94 million that we have coming that needs to be spent in the next four years, not just on trying to plug up where we're bleeding, but what can we do to ensure that these dollars are an investment that will keep giving to the community even after we're out of those seats. What, what are the things that constitute investments toward the future versus uh, just paying off old debt? So one of the things, investing in entrepreneurship, as you know, um, with small businesses. Um, the other thing is helping people with mental illness. The reality is if you can get people who are comfortable in who they are and in their environment, they become more productive. Then they can become people that are out there working feeling responsible, feeling accomplished. And so you have those things. Then you have people that are struggling with their living um, situation, affordable housing, but not just affordable housing. You're having people that can't even stay in the houses that they are in. And so there are so many facets that you can invest in. And when you begin to help people, especially stay in their homes, um, get the mental help that they need so that they can go to work every day. You know what I'm saying? And so those are the things that when you start investing in those things, you're going to start seeing a consistent benefit of those people that are sowing into our community, becoming homeowners, getting some of those land bank homes that are sitting desolate for so long that now they have to be torn 
torn up when if we had just gotten them in the hands of residents that can afford to, they go back on the tax roll. They become a part of our community. And even as a community, if we have people like that that have come in, and when I say people like that, people that are maybe owning their first home, this that's a challenging thing, Tom. I own a home. You have to be doing something to your home every year if you want to maintain it. So you're talking about the bushes. You're talking about the, the um, lawn. You're talking about the exterior. And then working in the interior. Well, when you have new people coming into your community, the community has to rally around them and not just point them out and say, oh, those people. No, it's not those people. What can we do to bring community back into our areas? And then that those are the investments that I'm speaking of instead of paying off some debt. And then because we never had the money that we needed to maintain, you know how it is that debt is back. And so it's just a recurring cycle. Yeah, Monica, you said something, you know, very inspiring about people going to work every day. Uh, but it begs the question, where? Um, you know, what do, what do we do? I, I've heard it said that there's nothing wrong with Flint that fifty or 60,000 jobs wouldn't cure. Um, are, are we in kind of a holding pattern when it comes to making the city attractive to potential employers? Well, of course, we do have to um, put some things in place so that we can bring more jobs. But the, the, the reality is, Tom, even with the jobs that we do have, you have, especially since we've come out of COVID, I don't know if anybody's ever gone to a restaurant where you'll see a sign that says we had to close early because we don't have people. And I'm not saying that that is the basis, but sometimes we have to do, if you've ever been in a situation where you can't have what you want, you start with what you need, right? And so then you start building on those things. And, and that's what I'm saying. And so, yeah, we have to attract businesses. But in order for us to attract businesses, we have to have employees that are ready. And so that's why one of the things I keep reminding people of for the reconnect start that the reconnect grant that the governor put in place, right? Which allows you as long as you don't have an associates um, or a, a bachelor's or master's, you can go to school, you can get a trade for some children or people. They don't want to get that four year, two year degree, but they might get a trade electrician, all of those things. And so when you begin to have a population of people that are starting to do things to bring themselves, um, job readiness, if you, if you will, then we can begin to go after, we should be going after anyway, but you have to have a prepared workforce when you are asking companies to come into your environment. But that also leads into crime, too. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to come into a community where crime is up. And, yes, I know that crime is up all over the nation. I understand that. But when it wasn't. Well, some of it's a little deceiving because, I, I you know, I think crime was going to go up as we started coming out of quarantine after the pandemic. And I think that's you know sort of uh, in some cases a statistical an anomaly but but in flint we've always had a tough time with violence which is one of the reasons why people are trying to push initiatives to address uh young people hanging out at places like club sunoco and and cheers market and, and other convenience stores there there's no question but also we have to have some venues for our young people to go, right? 
we have to have something that is going to draw their attention. You don't have a lot of places for young people to go that are healthy. And so we need to become creative as a community to see what can we do to engage the young people so that they don't feel like they have to um, hang out, if you will. But also, again, it goes back to community, too. Um, I'm not very old, but, you know, you hear all the stories where they say, you know, everybody knew each other. Everybody knew each other's children. There was like this community concept. And now it's like we're divided as a community. And the reality is it's important for me to ensure that my neighbors and the people around me are doing well because my children are going to come in contact with their children. So there should be a community investment to ensure that we are healthy. And so, yeah, we've got to get some, some outlets. For our young people, we just do, and and we have to do better code enforcement. Um, at the we heard it last night. I don't know if you heard one of the um, resolutions on city council was to for city council to approve a resolution that um, said one of the liquor stores was a nuisance and to send it to the state, asking to have their liquor license revoked, only to have the owner come before us and and share with us that he in fact was one of the fir- well was the first. Um, liquor store over there to get involved in Chief Johnson's program where they had cameras in the liquor stores. Only for him to learn that since Chief Johnson is gone, nobody monitors that. And so he's called as many, as much as people say that they've called on him, he's called asking for help, has been beat up on his own property by someone shopping at a store. And so we've got to do a better job at even partnering with our businesses to ensure that, okay, are you cooperating with us? What are we doing to make sure that we can enforce if a business owner doesn't want behavior that's happening on their property to happen? If they call and the police don't come, what do they do, Tom? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the question. And and one of the things that seems kind of interesting is Chief Green's uh, efforts to get technology going again with uh, uh, video and then the shot spotter technology, which is basically microphones all over the city that help identify when there's gunfire. The problem is, do we have enough police to respond if we get the reports, if we get the information? And, and, of course, we don't. And I think um, I, I really um, respect Chief Green. Um, he has been a great partner for me. Whenever I, I reach out to him, I can get him. I think that, unfortunately, when you're in a situation, um, and I'll use some of the lingo that um, has been shared with um, some others, when you're, like, hemorrhaging, you know, um, right. what are you doing? I was at um, the Michigan Municipal League um, Conference just this week, um, last week, and you had Sterling Heights, city manager, saying that in five years their police officers make six figures and they can't get officers, right? So in our city, we're always hearing that we can't get police officers because, one, we don't pay enough. And so my question becomes, I've been on the council eight years. We can't consistently be using that. There's got to be something more that we can say, well, if we're not paying enough, we need to find out what we can do. How can we increase it? What can we do to make that package 
um, look um, well enough for people. You know, how do how do we make our package look enough to where they're willing to come? Why can't we allocate money somewhere? Eighty percent of our budget, eighty to ninety percent of our budget is in public safety, and so we. We, we've got to be figuring out a way. And if we're asking for grants to um, cover paying our CFOs or our purchasing managers uh, forty or $30,000 more a year, I know that's a small scale based on what we're asking, but if, in fact, it's going to make the city safer, why can't we consider looking for grants for our public safety to increase the, the amount that we're looking at? even if it's nothing else but allocating those funds to some other pot so that we can increase hourly wage. Because the people of Flint, you know, every time someone is laying, you know, standing over their their child who has been um, lost to violence in whatever way it is, it's not going to be enough for us to continue to say we don't pay enough. What are we doing to figure it out? Are we recruiting in high schools? Are we looking at young people that um, are living in a neighborhood that are here and, and that this would actually be a good career for them, that know the neighborhood, that know the people? Um, those are some of the, the, the best candidates, I think, sometimes. But, of course, you know, the police officers aren't glamorous, but <laughs> there's got to be some people that, you know, I, I don't know, I laugh, but I love Hondo. You know what I'm saying on SWAT? What did Hondo do? He grew up, and he decided, you know what, I'm going in the SWAT, but I'm staying in my neighborhood. And, yes, that's not for everybody, but my point is there could be some out there that may just need another nudge. Are we building relationships on the police department out in the community like we did? The, The Michigan State Police do a pretty good job at that, and I'm sure Chief Green and them are working on that. And for those of you who don't know, Chief Green and Mayor Neely are going to be at the Mott, um, the event center at Mott tonight from six to seven, and they're going to be sharing, you know, their um, their plan for public safety. So please come out and and hear what they have to say. Ask your questions. Well, Monica, we're uh, oh, this is going to air late. Then never mind. So yeah. scratch that. <laughs> Yeah, this this is actually uh, airing Friday morning. But, yeah, uh, right, right. But, and that's, you know, a little inside baseball that we're pre-recording this, but it's just a matter of uh, making the schedules work. But isn't what you're talking about a, a, a need for the council to do a better job of prioritizing what things need attention? I mean, you know, obviously... Trash collection is is a big deal to people. Public safety is a big deal to people. But then, you know, people come to you and say, how come the parks aren't getting mowed? So you asked a couple of questions there, Tom. You started out with, isn't it about public safety and doesn't the council need to do a better job at prioritizing? That was your first part of your question. it, It was about prioritizing. Absolutely, and I said because public safety is important, trash collection is important. But but when you don't, when you're hemorrhaging and you don't have the money to do all the things you want, what are the things that we need to do? So that that's a great question. One of the things that should happen is the city council, because their role is actually the budget, should actually have some input in setting priorities. In the last two two to three years, um, that hasn't happened. And so the city council hasn't had any input. The budget has been uh, made 
um, Councilman Mays has consistently tried to allocate the um, realigning of um, sometimes nine um, a million nine hundred thousand to allocate in blight public safety for more detectives and things like that. And so you do sometimes have some council people that have the political will to make those priorities because the reality is when communities feel safer, you're going to bring in resources, Tom. And so sometimes you have to allocate in what is most pressing, believing that as you make that investment, I'm going to see the benefits start to move over into this. People will feel comfortable working in the city. When they work in the city, our income taxes go up, right? And so there's different ways that something like that being prioritized, even though the funds may not necessarily be there and we have to allocate for certain things, you get, you're going to get something more in the end. As far as parks are concerned, we actually partner with the county for most of our parks. And so there's money that, that, that goes through that. We, we pay a, a millage, Tom. And so some of these things, I guess we have to ask ourselves, and, and I'm saying ourselves as a council, even myself, this is really provoking for me. Um, where are we partnering with different organizations that are doing this and doing things well that we might be able to allocate grant dollars instead of our general fund dollars, right? The the creative ability to look at how we can fund the priorities that the community is telling us that they have and want. My guest is Monica Galloway. She represents the 7th Ward um, on the Flint City Council. She is running for re-election in the uh, general election that's coming up in uh, November. Uh, Monica, we've got to wrap it up, but uh, where can people find out more about you? People can um, email me at, well, my um, email address. They can call me at 810-955-9370. They can go to my Facebook page, Monica Galloway, Councilwoman Monica Galloway, 7th Ward. Um, they can drop me a, a messenger, and, and I will respond to them. And I, I'm asking the residents um, to allow me another opportunity to continue to serve um, as your council person of the 7th Ward on November 2nd so that we can properly allocate that $94 million that we um, have an awesome opportunity to um, sow into our future and our um, generations that are following after us. Monica, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank you, Tom. Have a great day. Take care. Again, Monica Galloway, and uh, we're going we're gonna to move on. We've got more of our uh, one-on-one conversations with candidates for the Flint City Council. <music> Let's see the lies.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. W.H. Weiskarper, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiskarper, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches, fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Carver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner program, visit whyscarver.com.
TheTomSumnerProgram.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue with my, uh, as we uh, wrap up my series on uh, one-on-one conversations with ca- uh, candidates for the Flint City Council, that election coming up just a month away. And uh, I've mentioned several times this week during this series that um, it's unusual to find one write-in candidate, but there are at least five over the nine wards, and there is one in the seventh ward who joins me now by phone, Lakeisha Turad. Am I saying that right, Keisha? The D is actually silent. It's, it's a French name, so it's Turo. Turo, okay. I, I think he told me that once before, and I, uh, but I'm terrible with names, uh, Keisha, so, <laughs> you know, my, That's apo- okay. my apologies. But let me let me ask you this. This is an unusual um, election cycle for the city council for a number of reasons. One, it's a special election uh, brought about by the new city charter that provides for a five-year term to, to reset when the elections happen so that they're at the same time as the mayor's office and, and uh-huh. other things. Um, that's one. Uh, the other is there are three open seats. Two, because candidates didn't, uh, incumbents didn't run for re-election. One, because the incumbent didn't make it through the primary, so there are three open seats. And as I mentioned in the introduction, there are many people running as write-in candidates. Um, what, what do you think about all of this activity around the, uh, around the city council election? Is it an unusual uh, election, and how come? Yes, yes, it, it actually is very um, unusual here in Flint, anyhow, especially to have so many writing in candidates. And uh, like you said, my name is Lakeisha Turo. I am a seventh ward writing in candidate. Now, the reason behind so there being so many writing in candidates is because of this current city council the crime being so high in Flint, just a lot of chaotic things were taking place in the city of Flint, and we weren't getting any results. When I say we, I mean the people, the constituents. We weren't getting the results that we wanted to see in the city. So I personally feel like I am the better candidate for the seventh ward because I deal with mental health, and I'm going to address some of the issues I heard you and Councilwoman Galloway speaking on. I, I actually am a mental health advocate. I have four mental health facilities inside the city of Flint, and I've been doing this since tw- 2008. Um, but I started my business in 2010 because I've seen a, a dire need for mental health advocacy and mental health services. Now, when you're dealing with things like the water crisis and the lead poisoning and our children going from uh, 10 years old to now they're in their 20s and you're seeing some behavior issues, we can't just point one particular thing out and say, okay, we need you, to, you, we need you all to put down the guns. There has to be wraparound services because until you change the minds of the people, you will not change any behaviors. So I wanted to address that as one. Secondly, 
dealing with homelessness. My, my housing addresses homelessness as well in the community. We have been buying homes from the land bank. We have been buying homes through auctions. We have been rehabbing homes right here in our community because we're trying to deal with several situations with one simple solution, and that is to address the blight, the homelessness in the city, and we are providing support for mental and behavioral issues right here in the city of Flint. A lot of people think it's, um, it's, it's like rocket science to solve issues. They, with my campaign is looking to address hard issues with simple solutions. And one of those solutions would be unifying the community. Now, I don't want to keep talking, so I'm going to let you ask questions. <laughs> I, have a whole, I have a whole lot to say, Tom. Well, and I like to give you the time to say what you have to say, Lakeisha. Um, let me, but let me ask you this. Um, as a mental health professional, as somebody who works with uh, mental health issues, um, does that give you any special... Um, skills to address the the divisiveness that we see in the Flint City Council wouldn't wouldn't some people think maybe either your services are needed there or you're a little bit crazy to want to be part of it <laughs> well I, I I tell you this and, and that's another reason why there are so many writing in candidates I've been serving the community. I'm, I'm born, I'm the only candidate born and raised here in the city of Flint. I've gone through the educational school systems of Flint. So I'm familiar with the community, first of all. I have been working with Riverside Tabernacle for over nine years, donating my time and services, transporting food, picking up food for homeless, shut-in people. So I love the community. Um, I'm not a politician, and I tell everybody that. I didn't go to school for politics. I went for mental health. So I'm not a politician. M my heart is in the community as an advocate, first and foremost. But when I seen everything that was happening with the city and on city council, to continue to sit back and allow this community to go into a deeper state of oppression and depression for some people and not stand up as an advocate and say if I won't change it has to start with me now I'm hoping that the people will bet on the candidates and understand that I am not saying I can fix all issues and any candidate you get that comes on here and say I'm the savior I can fix all things they're not being truthful because there's no one person that can fix the issues that we have currently going on right here in the, inside the city of Flint. So we need to come together. We need to unify and, and get the community more involved through things like home ownership, uh, rehabbing the homes. You don't like blight next to you? Well, let's look into buying the lot of the house so we can all help keep up the neighborhood. This is a community effort, not just one council person. Lakeisha, do you think the fact that there are so many write-in candidates uh, will make more people likely to consider 
uh, voting for a write-in candidate and how are you encouraging people to take that extra step and not just check a box but write in your name okay so a lot a lot of people don't understand the process of, of writing in and that's unfortunate i have actually spoken with uh Kildee's office we had a meeting two days ago because they're they're trying to uh put out the hr the hr uh the john lewis voting rights act and not including the write-in process for the city of flint is definitely voter suppression because with the dire need of leaders in this city the the constituents the residents they need to know the whole gambit of candidates they need to see and be able to vet which one is the best candidate for my ward without the city listing saying okay they're not on the ballot but you can have a list of the writing and candidates because there's so many the residents need to be aware of the writing in candidates, the writing in process, and all you're doing is writing in our names. But once you see the best candidate for the city, you'll be able to make a, a, an intelligent, knowledgeable choice for the city. Right now, it's not about who your friends are uh, because the city is in great need. It's not about who you're trying to be nice to, so I'm a vote for them. I am pleading with the city to vet the candidates. Ask about the issues. Lakeisha, Find out what we, uh-huh. we're just about out of time, and I was going to ask you, um, first I want to thank you for spending time with me to, to talk a little bit and, and share some of your thoughts with me and the listeners, but also I want to give you an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your campaign. Okay, you can look, look up um, write in, well, write hyphen in hyphen Lakeisha, L A K E I S H A dot com. Write in Lakeisha dot com or on Facebook, Lakeisha Turo. Last name T U R E A U D. Um, also, my phone number. I can give my phone number out. I'm sorry. It's 810-394-7846. Any questions, any concerns, please reach out to me. Well, Lakeisha, thanks again, and uh, best of luck to you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Take care. That was Lakeisha Turo. Uh, she is a write-in candidate in the 7th Ward. That election uh, to be decided uh, coming up November 2nd. And uh, we're going to move on uh, after we break a little bit for uh, show ID and so on. We're going to move in the next hour to Ward 8. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we'll talk to the candidates from Ward 9 as we continue uh, this uh third part or final segment uh, or, or day of one-on-one um, -on -one conversations with Flint City Council candidates here on the Tom Sumner program. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. There's uh, lots more one-on-one -on -one with Flint City Council candidates here on the Tom Sumner program coming up straight ahead. You pilots get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know?
Go on! Go on, get out of here! <laughs>